Wow. So I'm currently in love with Ember Trio. Um, obviously, I've never seen, um, you know, it sounds so, you know, I've traveled all over the world. I've met so many people and I have never in my life met a Pakistani violinist that's badass and too well put together to swing one way. Uh -huh. And so um, I'm going to showcase them today. So I, I thought I would give you guys some alternative music other than um, those with words. I know a lot of people listening to the music that you recognize, you sing those words, but you know, the challenge would be to kind of uh, not just uh, let the music talk to you. It's uh, kind of interesting. So, um, a little bit, you know, about what I've been up to, um, I have to start looking after myself a little bit more. Uh, it's been extremely, uh, hard physically, uh, for me. And so I have to do that. I have to make time for myself, which I'm not making much. I was actually forced to, I don't want to get into details about it, but I was actually forced to give myself time. Um, and it wasn't very nice because they keep asking you to wear a mask and you're just like, I'm not doing it. Like, I don't know why you're asking me five times. It's not happening. You, you know, oh, just asking just in case, not happening. So anyway, um, so there, that's that. I will be traveling at the end of the week, um, uh, heading out um, south. So Thursday, they're going to primetime J6, which is interesting because uh, people should see it as it is, but we all have to remember shifts, narratives, and statements from before. Uh, I will change the time of my show. I am contemplating on doing morning shows as opposed to evening. Uh, so, um, I will be changing that right before the prime time happens. Now, the question everyone should be asking is, why are they doing this on prime time? And so considering I had a lot of time on a computer where I didn't have access to my telegram and stuff, um, I wouldn't access it from there anyway. Um, I spent time on the Library of Congress and... I was trying to put together the pieces of the puzzle for everyone. Meaning, evil is not creative. It simply recycles and upgrades the same ideology slash things. And throughout time, there's always those that voice and tell of their plans, you know. Um, <laughs> but no one listens. They see it as a story or a theater or a poem or maybe a written book. 
depending on the choice of distraction. And this is exactly what J6 is. So my sources within the house tell me that they're going to pass, well, they're going to pass something along the lines of red flag laws. That would mean about 99% of every single conservative or anyone that posted anything regarding election fraud will fall into that category. And the way that they choose these categories is by picking random people through a foundation to file a complaint on you. So that's number one, right? Number one is that they're passing the red flag laws. In order to distract everyone, they're pulling in from all sides. We have the ones screaming to kill babies and have that right to kill babies. And uh, that way, the left is distracted because people on the left still believe people should have guns too. Uh, And then the people on the right will be too busy looking at what's going on with J6 and the killing of the babies that no one's going to be paying attention to um, Second Amendment rights. I mean, they're going to distract you so they can take it away and they'll just come to the table somehow. Uh, There is a very big problem with this, and this is why it's almost imperative at this point to undo everything they've done is to revoke and um, denounce the positions that they hold. Now, how do you do that? See, everyone's so focused on dominion, they're not paying attention to what was said. Dominion is now um, pursuing defamation, um, their defamation suits, um, which were all sequestered into one. Uh, They were consolidated against Rudy Giuliani, Mike Lindell, and Sidney Powell. They were all consolidated into one case. Patrick Byrne, for some reason, was not included. In that case, they're suing them for saying wrong things. So tomorrow, what we're going to do is we're going to go through what Dominion said to Sidney Powell, and we're going to go through each and every item line by line. But again, uh, that's going to be tomorrow's show. Now, keeping that in mind, the lawsuit, see, Dominion is confident that they would be able to be able to get away with things. And this is why they're one of the biggest contractors. Because unfortunately, Dominion, as all the other companies, are housed under Size's wing. Again, it is your own government that is steering your elections, not a private company. The private company is just giving them the keys. This is why you have these people in office that no one really elected. They were selected. And unfortunately, people have been, uh, you know, voting straight ticket or because someone was endorsed. Like, that means something. Nobody gives a fuck who endorsed who. I wasn't happy with some of the endorsements in my state. A lot of the endorsements in my states. There would be no way in hell that I would vote for any of them. So again, it goes down to the titles and tiaras. It isn't just about people who think they're important. It's people who tell you who should be selected. 
selected. Again, selected. And considering that President Trump has been giving endorsements, he, with whatever information he has and whatever conversations he's had, has seen that since people, as you noticed from the voting uh, video we did, are uh, more... Uh, Linda, thank you. I would like that, please. Linda opines, please send it to me or Russell or Grant. Thank you. I just saw um, the text on Rumble because I have to switch screens. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. Please send it to me. Thank you. So um, once again, as I was saying, um, the concerns that, um, you know, everyone has is his endorsements. But you have to remember, he understands that the majority of conservatives uh, only um, uh, the majority of conservatives only vote either Republican or Democrat, which is the biggest problem. And this is why we shouldn't have elections in November. And considering that they're going to pull the monkeypox and the Jumanji lady and um, is Kintanji or Jumanji? I call her Jumanji all the time. It could be Kintanji. She she doesn't even know what a woman is. So she has no right being on SCOTUS. So let's just leave it alone. I mean, I'm just distraught. So let's just undo all this shit and her confirmation because none of them were allowed to confirm her. Hello. So, um, uh, we have a big problem because it is your own government, the one that you identify as your government. I should say regimes. That's why, if you remember correctly, I was the one calling people regimes from way back in the day. And now everyone's calling it the Biden regime, the Biden regime, the Biden regime, right? It's always been the Hussein regime, the Bush regime. And here's the thing. Changing definitions is one thing, right? Bumblebees are now fish, according to California, because they didn't want to make extra laws, right? Fuck the bees. They're dead anyway. We're going to make them extinct. They're just fish. So 100 years from now, people are going to look at bumblebees and say that those were fish. So that's done. Next, uh, we have them changing almost everything we know to be true. I was going to mention it on Thursday last week, and I forgot, and then I forgot to do it on Friday. But considering that I uh, peruse the Library of Congress and uh, National Archives, NARA is now waiting on um, your selected representatives to privatize presidential records and all records. So now when someone leaves office, they get to decide to tell the story of what it was like when they were president. It's the most horrific thing I have ever heard. They're taking that pen and they're rewriting history right under your nose. So while we're distracted with J6, and while we were distracted with killing babies, which are both very important issues, they're taking our away our history and our guns. This is a very big deal. Very big deal. So today we have a lot to talk about. Um, but I think I want to start 
with something that um, Project Veritas put out. So I want to play this video because I haven't watched it in full. So we're going to watch it together. When this guy first came out, right, people loved him. Okay. People actually loved him. They were like, oh my God, he's this, he's that. I remember telling people that think they're important, hey, he's not really good. Um, he's actually funded by XYZ and he is trying, just like many others have successfully done, insert himself pretending to be a conservative. Please take a listen. Are you Alex Stovall? Hey, dude, yeah, James Alino, Project, Project Veritas Action. I need to show you a video. The party is disgusting to me. The stuff that they're doing should be criminal, and they should all be thrown in prison. No, I don't have respect for Candace Owens anymore. Will I take her donation and take her donors? Absolutely, but it goes no further than that. I have James O'Keefe on the line right now. If you would like to give him your comment directly. Hey, there. hey Alex, James hey. O'Keefe here. Alex. Alex. We'll talk later, James. Alex, would you like to give your comment to James O'Keefe about the undercover footage in your campaign? Oh, yeah, you're getting a real news flash about how politics work. So, having heard that, you know what? It doesn't seem that bad. So, I believe, and this is my belief, that he went in as a true Democrat, someone that believes that, you know, Democrats are for freedom and all this shit saw that that wasn't the case, walked into the conservative movement, into the Republican Party to see that the Republicans are the ones playing the fiddle for the Democrats and they dance. I believe that people change when they see things, especially when they're left hanging. See, he lost his deal because the GOP didn't embrace him. But now he, I believe, is like a Seth Rich. Only this time they won't set him up and get him killed. So I believe <laughs> that he's actually seeing the true face of the Republican Party. So my concern is, why are people so upset that he's speaking the truth? Are you trying to tell me that James O'Keefe doesn't believe that the Republican Party is a piece of shit and that they play the fiddle and the Democrats dance? Of course they do. You think the Democrats can do whatever they want? No, they cannot. The people that created and funded the research and promoted the research overseas to steal your elections and train the software overseas. We're Republicans. So when you leave, you know, um, Seth Rich was a diehard Bernie fan. Yet he realized that both sides are broken. Why? Because the other side killed him. <laughs> That's another story. Only few knew what was going on. But having said that, right? Having said that, um, I would like all of us to ask all these prominent figures. Uh, let me let me let me put something out to you. So, Federico Tario was indicted today um, on a charge of seditious conspiracy with four top lieutenants on Monday. I guess his lieutenants. Apparently, the charges expand the Justice Department's allegation of an organized plot to unleash political violence to prevent the confirmation of President Biden's election victory on January 6th. 
when pro-Trump mob attacked the U.S. Capitol. They say Tario 38 was not in Washington that day. Now, he was in Maryland. Now, okay. So Federique was arrested right next to me when I got at the airport. Literally all the cops were rolling him up, you know, right next to me when I exited to go have a cigarette while I waited for my ride, right? He was right there, right? So he wasn't there, but he was in Maryland giving orders. A new 10 count superseding indictment was returned this morning on Federico Tazio, Tario, Pozzola, and three other defendants, Joe Big, Ethan Nordine of Seattle, Joe Biggs of Daytona Beach and Zachary Bell of Philadelphia uh, because they coordinated their travel to Washington and the movements of the group around the Capitol that day uh, of the event. <laughs> so basically the prosecutors, um, uh, his, you know, seditious conspiracy hasn't been charged much. It's actually extremely rare. But um, for the first time, it was done against the founder and leader of the Oath Keepers, uh, Stuart Rhodes. Uh, so this is quite interesting. Very interesting. I want to show you a video that was released by the DOJ that was shown and I want you guys to tell me what you think about it, okay? Let me see if I can get this to play. Jeez, are you kidding? Oh, I know who that is. Um, hold on. Freaking Washington Post and their stupid paywall. Is it? Jesus. I don't like it when they do this, seriously. Um, let me continue reading. Where's the video? Hold on. Is this a video? Um, that's not the video. Give me a second, you guys. I thought it was going to work through there, and it didn't. This is MSN. That's why it's not giving it to me. Give me a second. I'm so sorry for this. Um, fuck's sake. I kid you not. So how is this news if they won't let you see it unless you pay them? How is it news? if they won't let you see it unless you pay them. No credit card, no obligation, just our award-winning journalist, okay? Um, Washington, let me see how do this. Let me see. I'll do this live and <laughs> see if it works. Washington Post sucks at CIA or mom. How does it know that it's an invalid? Okay, it's not invalid now. I'm signing up. There was a problem registering my email. <laughs> Did it realize that um, CIA is your mama.com? How do they know that it's not right? Okay, let's just do Yahoo. Echo means Washington Post sucks at Yahoo. Someone already has that. Go back. Um, Apo is CIA at yahoo.com. I can't believe someone has Washington Post sucks at Yahoo. I love it. Why is there a problem registering my email? Waypo is CIA. This is driving me insane. I can't believe someone had Waypo's John Doe anywhere.com. Everybody does that one. <sighs> Your mama. I at 
gmail.com. How someone has that, it'll be super sad. Nope. Um, fish titties. No one at hotmail.com. Okay, fish titties it is. Got it. Let's go. So that's him being released in December of 2020 from jail. Bianca Garcia? I thought they told you 24 hours. 24 hours what? That you had 24. No. I mean, I don't even know if that's a rule, hey, so I'm not. I'm not even going to test I wanted you to meet Can the attorney. You, why don't you pull up over here? Everybody move, please. Next, everybody next move. Block, next everybody block move. on the right. Why, man? Next block on the right. You sure? All right. The next block. Hey, next block can I right. keep one of these? Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes. Sir. Hey, are you going to come down here? No, I can't. No. I can't. They're already looking out the window. So make a go, go down. Go down the block and make a right. And then on the left is a parking. Yeah, there's a parking garage that's going to be on your left side. Go down the parking garage. Okay. Right here on the left. I feel like a fucking fugitive. You are. I'm not. I'm sure that there's like some type of hey. Get your stuff. Well, I mean, go. you literally, ju- I told him, I said, he literally just got at the police station because she's going to yeah, just back up. We're just going to turn around and get out of here. She has a, um, this guy has a good attorney and it was a two A attorney that got him off of his stuff. So I want you to meet the first attorney, Kelly. Hey, she's in Texas. Glad you meet you. Nice to meet you. Susan, Stuart, glad you're on Hey, listen, do you need a vehicle to, no, we're going to, we're going to know what you're driving. Do they know what you're driving? It doesn't matter. I, I'm sure that even if they were to come by right now, I'm, I'm on my way out. So I literally just picked up my bags. So, so I thought they told you 24 They didn't hours. give me the 24 hours. That's the Kelly Sorrell. That they didn't want me to go to tomorrow's event. I don't know. You're going on Virginia's side? I'm going to go on the other side. I'm going to go to the Maryland side. going north. The Maryland? Okay. Yeah. I'm going to stay close just to make sure my guys are okay. Okay. So it's tomorrow. And I got I got a lot of stuff to do tomorrow. Give me a give me a chance on this one. I wanted to see that's uh, Bianca and Kelly talking to Tario right now. I think that was a, a commercial. I think a- put a commercial on, fuckers. Okay, so that was Bianca, the head of Latinos for Trump, and Kelly Sorrell. Kelly Sorrell was actually dating. Um, you know, the head of the Oath Keepers, uh, I met him in person when I was in Texas, when she took on um, my daughter's um, representation. I had dinner with him and that's it. Uh, we didn't talk much. Uh, you know, we didn't talk about politics, uh, nothing about anything. Um, Rhodes and her were a thing. 
So, um, you know, I met him and they were just an item. Now, that was very interesting. Um, That was extremely, you know what? I want to say something. So I'm going to just play a two minute intermission, please. I just want to collect my thoughts quickly. Yeah, I'm kind of numb. I think that kind of nailed it. Okay. Kind of nailed it. I was not expecting that video. Uh, I kind of nailed it with that song. (laughs) Super numb. uh, Super, super numb and super duper. I'm going to leave that for comment. Um, for, For now. Uh, the reason that I say this is because the um, J6 committee, he was indicted uh, in, on seditious conspiracy charges, but basically it alleges that between December 2020 and January 2021, Tario and other members did knowingly conspire, confederate, and agree with other persons to oppose by force. Now, the weird thing is, is that... Did you know that Secret Service warned of a security risk to Pence the day before the Capitol attack? Mm-hmm. Maggie Haberman, that weirdo, which, I mean, does she really exist anymore? Uh, reported that she uncovered it during research while she was writing a book uh, on Trump that she's writing, of course, right? She's going to have it out in October, like a surprise. Um, but apparently, um, on January 5th, Haberman sent Mark Short, another loser, um, a quick note telling him that Pence is being, is maybe at risk, um, if Trump were to turn on him. Now, what does that even mean? Like we've seen it in the past in our American history where people were literally killed during election theft and during elections, shot, attacked. I mean, it's all history. But President Trump isn't the type of person to do something like that. So that seems quite odd that that would come to the news now where she discovered it all of a sudden now, right now, she discovered it now. Okay. Um, that Pence may have been at risk and people were saying, hang Pence and do all this and do all that. You know, it sounds really weird, doesn't it? It sounds very weird. What else is weird is now it's coming out that for January 6th, 
It was paid with a lot of dark black money. It sounds like cryptocurrency, the wallets that I was following from September. See, the one thing that I remember is that when, you know, Millie had put together those videos and Nathaniel had gotten uh, from, uh, you know, the Sunrise Movement, I noticed that they had gotten, obviously they said it, that they got $4 million from open societies. Uh, to train all these people to do all these riots, right? And for the insurrection itself, like they said it themselves. But the one thing I noticed was that I was in those chats and the only time that I couldn't screen record, there were links. So I freaking clicked on it because I wasn't going to be able to do it. It caught me off guard and I should never enter anything completely off guard. And I found a crypto wallet and I was like, where's this going? So all I did was follow it. And out of all these wallets, right, I, I it came up to a dead end of three wallets. It went through like a few of them, but it dead ended to like three wallets. One of them got a shit ton of money that was being moved to other wallets after that. But that's where the terminating money was coming from all these crazy organizations. And so I was just watching it. It wasn't until November 10th when I saw Ali Akbar's posting asking for cryptocurrency to fund the stop the steal that I was like, let me just check the wallet address and boom, there it was. So I'm like, he got it from the third wallet and the fifth wallet. So like one of the terminating wallets. So it's like one and then it gave to a lot of them, but the big chunks were going to like two of them. Picture it like a tree, right? And then it went to a bunch of them, but then it was like another two big ones. And then they gave money, big chunks to other ones. So I would just follow it. And I just made note, right? But I saw he had the same wallet. So now it is being discovered that there was dark money right? And so in September of 2020, a a money group called Rule of Law Defense Fund convened a meeting in Atlanta of staffers from the fund's subsidiary, which is called RAGA. Now, keep in mind, RAGA is the Republican Attorneys General Association. They are the worst of the bunch. Not not all of them, but the majority. See, they go to these retreats uh, uh, every year that you, the taxpayer, pay where they get um, courted and people buy tickets for a quarter million dollars. So it's like oil and gas and big companies within their states go and, and kiss their feet for a little quid pro quo. They never say it, but they just donated a quarter million to share five minutes with you with a drink. Uh, yeah, it kind of is. So what they're saying is, is that there were preparations from long before. Now, I didn't see any of the Raga stuff. I am talking cryptocurrency. But they say that... Um, there was an attempt to wield the power of the Justice Department to attack Georgia's election result. For this mission, someone cranked up Jeffrey Clark, a relative known who was acting chief of the department's civil division as a result of pre-election DOJ vacancies. Clark prepared a letter drafting, drafted a letter allegedly falsely that the department was investigating accusations of voter fraud in Georgia. Now, 
They're talking about more efficient money coming in. I think that was the cover-up of money coming in because the money that paid for all of this to happen was completely different. It was not over the table. It was kind of, you know, not. And then I like the way, you know, these losers that orchestrated this bullshit when we could have just used our pen and we didn't need a kinetic fucking war. And mind you, all these people that you're seeing getting indicted are covering up for other people that are big. And so that's what sucks, that they're all taking the heat and taking it on the chin. Don't worry, when President Trump is back, you'll be uh, pardoned, which is true in the sense that, you know, these people, apparently other people, not the orchestrators, you know, acted you know, out of desperation. This is a fucking revolution, right? And I get it. I get it. But in no way should it have happened in 2022. It seems like, you know, they're really um, moving it up. Now, I want you to understand what I mean by moving it up because there are some weird things happening um, here. I want you to listen to this commentator on CNN, who, by the way, CNN should buy her a better weave. Like, what the fuck? Anyway. I digress. Take a listen. This week about former President Trump's push to stay in power. The committee that's investigating the insurrection will hold its first big hearing this Thursday night in primetime. I've got no doubt that reasonable minded people are going to look at this and say this was an organized hit on American democracy. The hearings are expected to include a combination of live testimony and taped depositions, including from members of the Trump family and former top White House officials. And that includes Cassidy Hutchinson, who is a top aide to Mark Meadows. And Hutchinson has testified already at length about uh, things that went on inside the White House. And her testimony could end up being one of the more uh, bombshell, you know, revelations. I think a lot of the things that we've learned have seemingly come from her. What more can we expect, uh, Sungmin, from these hearings? And I mean, what is the risk really that they've they've promised a lot to the American (laughs) people? It's in prime time. Can they deliver? They're setting the pretty high expectations here. But I also think, first of all, we've learned a lot from uh, the various news reports coming out of this committee so far, the records they have chosen to release. But they've promised that there are more. And there is a reason why they are putting this front and center in prime time. And I also think there's a different element, too, of actually seeing these people testify in person and the impact that has. We've talked about Cassidy Hutchinson, the very valuable witness for the or for, for the January 6th committee. And, um, and she is expected not only to uh, testify in person, during the hearings, but also uh, videotapes of her testimony will, or her private discussions with the committee are expected to be aired, according to sources that my colleagues have talked to. So I think there is power in hearing those words, um, especially hearing, for example, her testify to the fact that Mark Meadows, her former boss, had told people around in the White House that President Trump had talked kind of approvingly about the Hang Mike Pence episode, which is still 
astonishing yeah, it's, it's, it's to think about. It's an astonishing thing. Right. And just the fact of testimony on its own is something that differentiates this from the last impeachment where there really right. wasn't uh, testimony. So right. it's different. And they're also really thinking about it in terms of how to make a splash, right? They're scheduling hearings in prime time. They're going to have a multimedia presentation. And that's because they're really thinking about this in the terms of this is playing out in the court of public opinion as much as anything else. And they're cognizant of that. And I think the challenge for the committee is, can they make the American public care about the threat to democracy the same way they care about gas prices and school shootings and inflation? And that's a really tough task for them. Yeah. uh, I mean, can they make them care? But even if they don't, I mean, there is a kind of mandate for history here that I think they think that they have. I mean, how real is that? Yeah. You know, I mean, the committee's job is first and foremost to find the truth, right? It's not to affect the next election or to convince people necessarily really of anything, but it is to tell the full story of what happened, to find what happened. And, you know, we know that they've interviewed hundreds of people. They've gone through thousands of pages of documents. And it sort of resonates with me as like a long form writer, right? Because a lot of what they have to do is just take all this information and synthesize it and tell a story, turn it into a narrative arc that people can understand and to put and to sort of highlight that emotion, that first person emotion that people were feeling. Right. So I'm kind of feeling really mean right now. I don't know if you guys are getting OK. So what they're talking about is rubbish. But you notice that they brought up the whole Pence is in danger thing. This is going to be very important. Pence is in danger thing. Very important. But, you know, I want to be mean. I want to be super mean, like, you know, girl, like you're on CNN. Why did they give you like that messed up hair? And then the redhead looks like something out of, you know, oh, what was that? What was that movie, that scary movie with the creepy babysitter, something under the stairs that lived with the family and then killed the mom and everything. Right. And then you've got this chick with the perm and the sunken eyes and tried she she, she's done so much makeup you think she's like practicing to do drag and then of course you're gonna have the asian on because equality and all right i mean we just had bts at the white house uh, talking about asian hate (laughs) even though asian shows are all over netflix no hate there totally loving it but i'm just saying like as you're looking at this, you're just like, what the heck is this? It looks so weird and their statements are so bizarre as if they have something to say that makes sense. It's so, it's almost as if they're conditioning people for the view. I mean, now they're going to prime time produce J6. When you produce, you do edits. And you cut kind of like, you know, Adam Schiff's narrative. He's been, they've been sitting for months with this producer. It's not something fucking new. Okay. To edit it. So it looks bad. So then when you watch it, you have to think this is the worst they could do. It's completely terrible. And I hope it backfires where people on the left will be like, look, that was messed up. But people burned churches, St. John's Church burned, broke down courthouses, and they were released without bail, killed people, looted places, all in the name of some rapist drug addict. Yeah, no one's talking about the guy that was actually killed by the police wrongfully, and they were laughing about it.
See, this tells you that they're setting up a scene. This is how they create the scene. So I'm, I'm getting very irritated looking at them, so I'm going to take them off. I can't watch them anymore because they put a script together. They made it diverse, right? The, the questionable, you know, drag, the Asian, the redhead that is annoying and, you know, the girl with the bad hair. So I, I can't. This is just how bad it is. But, you know, it comes down to people covering things up. Huh. And when you want to cover things up, you use what's what's widely available. So cover-ups, how do they do them? Well, I think it's important we visit Project Veritas again. They released this video. On Tuesday, June 7th, there's an election for sheriff in Placer Placer County, County, California, located just outside Sacramento. The stakes are high. The two men vying for the position are under Sheriff Wayne Wu and Administrative Sergeant Brandon Bean. As the contentious race nears the finish line, allegations of misconduct have been swirling on both sides. Project Veritas received a tip regarding a rumor that Wayne Wu had an inappropriate relationship with a minor many years ago. So I'm an investigative journalist and I'm working on a story and I wanted to come, you know, get comment from you. I've had deputies that have come on record, former deputies okay. with some pretty serious allegations. And, you know, obviously before publishing, I wanted to, you know, come to you first. Right. Well, I mean, they said that you engaged in statutory rape of a minor back in around 2000. <laughs> not true at all. Completely not true. During the course of our investigation, we obtained an exclusive affidavit written by Charles Jeffrey Wilson, a 23 year veteran of the Placer County District Attorney's Office detailing irregularities and how the Sheriff's Office handled the investigation at the time. Wilson claims that current Sheriff Devin Bell should have contacted the DA's office when a criminal allegation was made against a county employee. He stated now that his office had done the investigation with oversight of county counsel, contrary to his earlier statement. In the past, when allegations that are criminal in nature are made against an employee of the sheriff's office, they were referred to an outside agency to conduct the investigation. The district attorney's office was never asked to assist in this investigation, nor was a case referred to our office for review. Wilson goes on to state in his affidavit that Sheriff Devin Bell did not conduct an unbiased investigation. I was then contacted soon thereafter by Sheriff Devin Bell. He told me that Wu admitted having a sexual relationship with the alleged victim. He said they were able to determine the alleged victim was 18 and not underage based on a document they found related to when the alleged victim was on a ride along with the sheriff's department. If the investigation was done appropriately and correctly, it would have been in their interest to show me that there was a thorough investigation that came to an unbiased conclusion supported by evidence. They refused. That left the impression that they feared I would immediately notice that the investigation was not handled properly and their unfounded conclusion was not credible. It was clearly not unfounded in the sense that Wu admitted that he had a sexual relationship with the alleged victim. Calling it unfounded is an overstatement and leaves the impression that there was no merit in the allegations when in fact there was. It also serves as a legal basis not to disclose the information to the public. Simply stated, regardless of the strength of the evidence, if Bell claims it's unfounded, he never has to share it with the public. Sheriff Bell's claims that the allegations were unfounded implied he never had to share the findings to the public. This proved to be true when ABC 10 requested a copy of the internal investigation through a California public records request, and ABC 10 was denied. 
If you look at our policies and procedures uh-huh. for any criminal activity, it says, Foster County policy and procedures, any criminal activity suspected by any employee will be directly turned over to the district attorney's office. So they decide, they being uh, Wayne and uh, Devin Bell, to do it in-house. In-house investigation. <laughs> so you see how dirty it is, dude? Brian Barry is a retired deputy who worked closely with Wu for over 20 years. He also believes that the investigation was handled improperly. And they decide, well, we're just going to investigate this in-house. So at that point, who handles it? They violate their own policy. They violate their own policy. And who does the investigation? Is it IA? Subordinates. This is Captain's Lieutenant. Things were so bad that multiple cops knew what he did. And nobody nobody did anything. When uh, Wayne got wind, uh, I was getting ready to you know, tell, my, tell my story what I knew about his past. So he sends his captain, yeah, Captain Garrett Steinhauer. He's like, Wayne wants to know what you want. Well, what do you mean? He wants to know what you want. Well, you want to keep your mouth shut, right? Really? They, who, who said this to you? Daryl Steinhauer. Daryl Steinhauer? Right. And he, who is he? The captain. In 2018, Barry broke his silence, which led to the internal investigation of Wu. June 1st of 2002. June 1st, 2002. Yeah. He was telling me, he says, I got to talk to you. I got to talk to you. You know, we're sitting at the table with this. Barry wasn't the only person aware of these allegations. Garland Liu, another retired deputy, also discussed the Wu investigation with our journalist. Well, you know, it's kind of one of those things where um, back in the days there were people that were hanging out with younger girls, but hanging out's not the illegal part. Uh, right, it's the statutory part. <laughs> yeah, it's the statutory part. And that's, yeah. well, that's the thing, there's only two people that are going to know whether that's true or not. We could but tell me a 17-year-old girl right now. 100%. Months, right? 100%. As long as we're not talking about getting in her pants. 100%. Thing. Right. If you ran a story on it, God help you. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because they'll come after you. Wayne would. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They would. I mean, he has an attorney. Oh, yeah. He has friends. It appears that the determination that the allegation is unfounded was made by Sheriff Bell. He has a close personal relationship with Wu. I've been advised that they are personal friends who socialize outside of work. It would also be politically embarrassing for the sheriff's office if the allegation were true. It appears the investigation into Wu's alleged inappropriate relationship with a minor was severely flawed, leaving the rumors to fester. Efforts to uncover the truth have been stymied by a refusal to release records in the investigation. If the evidence exonerates Wu, why keep that information hidden from the public? If you work in law enforcement and witness corruption or abuse of power at any level, please send us a tip at veritastips at protonmail.com or give us a call. Be brave. Do something. You know how corrupt these people are? Let me tell you guys about um, the, well, in in short, in Bismarck, North Dakota, small doohickey, right? Capital. Well, uh, their chaplain there was caught, you know, 
with minors. The fucking chaplain of the police department. Nothing. I mean, I, I got myself a big target on my back when I went after the marshals in the state of North Dakota. So uh, an assistant, um, it, it was, he was a deputy marshal of North Dakota. Uh, he got rolled up. He was taking pictures of girls, um, you know, young kids underneath a bathroom stall. Um, and he approached young kids. So obviously tips were being sent. Um, and this was actually found, get this. So when I was looking into this, um, weird money coming in from Lutheran social services, just so you see how this comes together, I was looking at some weird money from Lutheran social services in regards to unaccompanied minors from countries like Somalia, Kenya, Ghana, you know, stuff like that. And so I noticed that there were really weird expenditures for, adoptions. But the thing is, it's like one adoption was like 50 grand a month in federal money. Like what? Why are you getting that? So what was really, really weird is that the person that came up on the name of adopting this kid, I kind of did like a very top level search and I saw that they were relatives with this U.S. Marshal. So I found this U.S. Marshal, Deputy U.S. Marshal, on some alternative site, kind of like Black Planet. And um, I then saw that he was talking in code. So I saw some files that he had linked up that were PNGs that I didn't open. Instead, I copied the link and sent it over to law enforcement. Now... In that, uh, apparently, because that's what happened in his indictment, were photos of little kids and doing things. Now, having said that, the marshal of the state, the head marshal of the state of North Dakota, resigned in the middle of the night on the 31st of December, 2016. Jeff Sessions kind of was stepping in for him. And... um uh, that was just a few months after the guy got seven years in jail for what he did. So, you know, these people cover up for each other all the time. I mean, everyone covered up for Wayne Stenjum. He had the whole, he had a whole law firm, Vogel Law Firm, that was on retainer for the attorney general's office, covered up the crime he committed in 1999, just as he deployed his campaign to run for AG, his second wife caught him. And she filed a complaint and a report. Mind you, those have disappeared. Well, not completely, of course. And then she got a divorce. So they all cover for each other. And that's the problem that we have. In our society, people that are deviant are more likely to request positions of authority in order to cover up crimes for themselves as well. That's usually how it works. Uh, yeah, definitely how it works. Now, there are a lot uh, of things that are happening. Another shooting happened today. Um, you know, uh, apparently, if you uh, post photos of dead children, it can backfire on you legally or whatever. Um, it's just the weirdest thing. I saw that in the Atlantic. But 
the states themselves are starting to come up with these weird, uh, weird, weird rules like Mayor Beetlejuice. You know, she um, told off the criminal court judges, uh, you know, for three police shootings. Get the fuck out of here. You have the most shootings in the whole country. Chicago makes up the most deaths. So here's how she's going to solve it. Get this. Free ring doorbells for everyone. We're going to collect the data. We'll pay for it for you. So that way you're secured. So Chicago homeowners and small business owners concerned about violent crime will be eligible to pay for security footage and the city will pay for that. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. If the government is saying we're going to pay you to put a ring doorbell or pay for your security cameras, I would like to think that in there it says we own the rights to your shit there so we can monitor things. You know, ring doorbells, you can see everything. So Mayor Lightfoot now has decided that everyone gets a free ring doorbell if you'd like to. But when you read the stipulations of getting this refund, you know, for the money you spent, Chicago City gets to have ownership of your shit. So weird. And you know how many stupid people run out and just do it? Oh, well, I shouldn't have to pay for the cost. I think that's a good idea. We should all have free ring doorbells paid at the taxpayer's expense. Which, by the way, Illinois is an IOU state. You fucking win the lottery. You get a little paper that says I owe you. At some point, you may get it. (laughs) But they're going to pay for fucking doorbells. This is so, so it, it feels sometimes it's like I want to flip the desk and say, fuck it. I'm leaving. You know, it's like I'm so done. It's so weird. So weird. Ah, uh, there's so many things that are happening. I mean, I don't even know how to focus on, on, on certain things. Um, how do you, the, the statue, they removed it, uh, you know, from New Haven at the park. And they're saying it's not a First Amendment issue, right? The court said that um, permanent monuments in a public park constitute government speech, even when the monuments were privately funded and donated. We're a city communicating governmental messages, as in the case here. The city is free to choose the monument it displays without constraints of the First Amendment speech clause. You know what? Can we put that shit to the test? If the court says that something contributed for free that the city can showcase and people could take it down and take it up, can we all find a nice public location and erect something that says President Trump is the president, not Biden, and see how quick they're going to tell us we don't have First Amendment rights or how they're going to find us in breach of, you know, trespassing public property, even though it's public? Maybe we should just go chisel his face on Mount Rushmore or something and see what they have to say. I mean, If we can get all South Dakotans on board to say, look, Mount Rushmore belongs to us. We want to put President Trump's face on there, you know, and then if they say you can't put that, that's a monument, you know, to great presidents say, yeah, we can. It's public property and we could do it. And if you can call it be a fucking fish, I can call this free speech and, you know, erect it right next to all those other presidents. So, you know, it, it seems like the nation is going into some insane trance 
And for some reason, everyone's really, really happy of taking down the Columbus statue. Whatever. The city has reserved the statue for its own expression and has not opened up Worcester Square for citizens to display statues of their own choosing. Thus, the decision to display or remove the statue is government speech, not subject to the constraints of the First Amendment's free speech clause. Wait, what? See, this is where we're getting at. Wait, what? So now the government does not have a First Amendment right, according to the judge. Let me restate that. This is in contrast to when a city opens up a space for citizens to express their own views, thereby creating a public forum and subjecting that forum to First Amendment constraints. Here, the city has reserved the statue for its own expression and has not opened up Wooster Square for citizens to display statues of their own choosing there. Thus, key words here, thus the decision to display or remove the statue is government speech, not subject to the constraints of the First Amendment's free speech clause. Government speech is not subject to the First Amendment's free speech clause. Hey, guys, this ruling is pretty interesting. I would utilize that ruling to say that Adam Schiff, a sitting congressman, is, and I quote, government speech not subject to the constraints of the First Amendment's free speech clause. Hmm. Government speech. I thought that the city makes decisions based on what the the citizens want and the citizens voice is done through a vote or a motion or something where they sit down with the city council and they all decide because that's how the city speaks for the citizens. But now it's government speech, which excludes the citizens and it's just the government. So Blumenthal with the commies, not free speech. Kamala saying, you know, we should burn it down, not free speech. It's government speech. What does government speech mean? Oh, that's fascinating. That is something fascinating that I want to unpack. The government can choose which statues to put up and which not to put up and does that all the time. That way it can choose which ones it can put up and which ones it could take down. Huh. That's fascinating. Government speech. Mm-hmm. Government speech. New definitions. New things, right? Now, we had another stolen election happen in Kazakhstan. <laughs> 
Of course, President Takayev promises reform after the referendum win. So the Kazaki president, Kasim Yomar Takayev, has pledged to make good on plans to push through democratic reforms in Kazakhstan after a clear majority of voters approved constitutional amendments he had laid out in the referendum. You guys should take a look at those amendments to their constitution. Huh. So interesting. Prior to January's crisis, Tokayev was widely seen as ruling in the shadow of Nazarbayev and his super rich relatives, you know, the ones that the Bidens would chill with. And even after stepping down as president, right, the guy that's in Biden's emails, his son, they used to party together and do coke and shit. Um, they retained the constitutional title of Elbasi or leader of the nation, a role that's afforded to him to influence over policymaking, regardless of formal position. So even though NASA has stepped the fuck down, he's influencing policymaking, even though he doesn't have a formal position because that's what Hussein did. So Barack Hussein Obama. Now, the new constitution will exclude that status. So nobody else gets that position again. Nobody gets, you know, to influence over policymaking that's taken out of the constitution now. The new constitution does not acknowledge the status. He's no longer, you know, leader of the country, you know, as an honorary, kind of like honorary degrees, right? So the era of Elbacy is over. So weird. Another amendment, listen to this, prevents relatives of the president from holding government position which clearly demonstrates Naza's family and in-laws who lost powerful positions in the aftermath of violent street protests in early January. I want to stop right there. We're talking about Kazakhstan, right? We're talking about Nur Said, right? Um, remember, we did that video, that video that got me banned on YouTube um, from live streaming and posting and I had to sit patient for over a year to be allowed. You know, I'm, I'm very careful with how I use my YouTube. Well, if you remember correctly, we had seen Kazakhstan, right? Um, out there in glory completely. And, uh, there was nobody there. Remember how dead it was, how, it's alleged that 1.5 million people live there, but no matter where this YouTuber was, no matter how, you know, what time it was, morning, noon, night, it was dead. You remember that? But there were like over a million people in that city. Remember that? I mean, in, in North Dakota, where there's a quarter million people, you see at least one fucking person. Remember, he was at this well-lit place. It looked all popping and all nice. And it was deserted. Remember, guys, how dead it was? I think the video somewhere out there. It was dead. But according to the news, they had some crazy violent street protests in early January that I'm pretty sure I would have picked up on. So apparently the drive for new Kazakhstan in the wake of violence has come from the man that Naza handpicked to replace him as president in 2019. He called it super presidential rule. 
Jeez. I mean, you know, Kazakhstan's so funny, especially Astana, a.k.a. Now it's called Nur Said. I mean, they changed the city's name. But, uh, you know, what people don't realize is that the European Council has its headquarters in Kazakhstan. Wait, why would the EU Council, Council, have their headquarters in Astana, now called Nur Said, Astana, Kazakhstan, when they're not even part of Europe. <laughs> Let me guess. Uh, vision board <laughs> center. I like to call it Said because Nur Sultan doesn't bode well. In another timeline, it was Nur Said and it was not the EU headquarters. Just so you guys know. That's why we stick to that. I stick to that. I speak it into reality because <laughs> it's not that good. Now, what's um, bizarre is that there was a weird video that just came up about a month ago. Um, you know, I was going to play it today. I'm not. I'm going to hold it off. But it turns out that um, a lot of people are starting to see things like the tea leaves, right? The eugenics tea leaves. So it was quite fascinating that that came up considering all these weird things coming up in regards to monkeypox, the vaccine, death rates. I mean, we already went through it. So it's like, whatever, right? But nursing homes are facing closure risks now because they don't have people after COVID to work because they want them all vaccinated. Um, apparently in the United States, um, over 82 million vaccine doses were destroyed. It's pretty bad. That's 11%. They say, I mean, that's so weird. So weird. It's, it's as if they're pushing it, but now they're changing it. Oh, nasal vaccines could be how we can defeat COVID-19. There is no COVID, but okay. Um, on top of that, um, you know, they're starting to say that there's um, um, staff shortages, uh, patient safety issues, because now they're like giving five patients to each nurse on the ICU because people aren't taking the vaccine or don't want to work anymore. And so now that they're ramping up for monkeypox, they're going to have a shortage on staff too. It's almost as if they created the perfect storm for everyone. The perfect storm. No patients, new outbreak, shut all that shit down. It is the most crazy thing I've ever seen. Other than the Uruguayan president. Oh, by the way, we did get some participation for something from Uruguay. So that was kind of cool. But apparently um, the U.S. is hosting an America summit with all the nations of the Americas. And the Uruguayan president says, oh, I'm sorry. I have COVID-19. I can't come. In other words, fuck you. I'm not coming because I don't want my country to be part of this sh sham, sh sham, sh sham, 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 sham. Yeah. Now, um, as monkeypox starts to creep in and 
Memorandums are being sent across hospitals, almost like they did for COVID back in December of 2020, of 2019 and January of 2020. Um, it seems that, um, yeah, that's their new pin to pull. It's quite fascinating because I'm seeing people that have been fighting for the U.S., big names, pulling back, which leads me to believe that they've exhausted them. And that's why it's most important to come harder because they are exhausted. They are walking dangerous lines right now, pushing really crazy shit that they know will piss people off. And there are people that are taking a step back. So that's a concern. Having said that, remember how we talked about maps last week? Well, this was very interesting. In New Orleans, a judge blocked the Louisiana Congress map. So Governor Edwards, who's a Democrat, announced his plan at a news conference in Baton Rouge. He told uh, reporters that um, after the 2022 legislative session, um, that a few hours after the district judge in Baton Rouge blocked the use of the new maps. Her ruling included an order that the legislator draw up with a remedial plan by June 20th. Edwards, whose veto of the maps was overridden by lawmakers earlier this year, said there would have been a second majority black district among the six districts that would approve, noting that the state's population is almost one third black. Damn those race carts. Edwards said redrawing the district line is required by court order, the Voting Rights Act and basic fairness and basic math. But lawyers for the Republican Secretary of State are drawn. The state's top elected official swiftly filed a notice of appeal of Dick's order. His name is Dick. Dick's June 20 deadline for drawing a new district line in one month before the sign-up period of November 8th. So apparently the notice of appeal was filed with the fifth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in New Orleans. Ultimately, the case would wind up before the Supreme Court, which earlier this year put on hold a lower court ruling that Alabama must draw new congressional districts before the 2022 elections to increase black voting power. You know, it makes you wonder, do they really think Honestly, do they really think that our, you know, melanin blessed Americans are fucking stupid and will vote them in? I mean, let's be straight. Your color doesn't mean you're stupid. Okay. Actually, you're blessed and you don't get burned and you have better skin and you age a lot more gracefully. That's the only difference. So why would they trying to do this. The question is, what are they trying to achieve? And this is a question that the people of Louisiana should be asking themselves. What is it that they want to do? It's so weird. So weird. Now, in other news, on July, uh, blah, on July 23rd, 2020, a career public defender at the Legal Aid Society penned an op-ed in the New York Post entitled, 
racial obsessions make it impossible for New York City schools to treat parents and kids as people. Pretty fair title, right? Speaking simultaneously in her capacities as a mother, public defender, elected public school council member, and then candidate for New York City Council. She recounted that in the op-ed, her experience at an anti-bias training run by the New York City Department of Board of Education was where she decided she perceived DOE endorsement of the chilling doctrine called anti-racism, which she asserted insists on defining everyone by race, invites discrimination, and divides all thought and behavior along a racial axis. So responding to the op-ed was Black Attorneys of Legal Aid, a caucus of the Defendant Association of Legal Aid Attorneys, issuing a public statement denouncing that she was racist in her views and classic example of what 21st century racism looks like. The uh, law, the what was it called? The Legal Aid Society, right, followed with its own statement, which similarly rebuked what she said and called it a racist perspective and questioned the ability of any public defender to effectively and fully engage in public interest work if they do not embrace an anti-racist mandate. Now, the court, because she filed a lawsuit, considered her Title VII claim that the public statement issued by the Legal Aid Society and the Black Legal Aid's attorneys, right, criticized her ability to work as a public defender because of her race. So because she's white, she can't understand anti-racism. So in essence, if you target an employee for, you know, what they say about anti-racism education or that they don't believe that there's racism and because she's white, it may be discrimination. So she can actually sue them for discriminating against her for being white. And this is currently being played out in the courts. Like clearly it is super racist. So basically the court is saying that, you know, she was forced, she was actually forced to resign because they were abusing her and they were discriminating. So she filed the discrimination claim as a white woman against the society and the defenders and then the black uh, legal aid and, uh, you know, the society of legal public defenders. She actually filed that because they were racist against her for saying that it's racist to, 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 to keep judging people on their color of skin. So, uh, that, is, that is in fact discrimination. You know, when people say, uh, you, you don't understand racism because you're white. It's like, get the fuck out of my face. I can tell discrimination. Why can't I? Well, you know, I can. I think everybody can. Everybody knows when you're biased, it's don't judge a book by the cover. I mean, we've been told that how many times since we were kids? Raymond Lopez is a... Now, in the meantime, let's talk about racism again, because this may not be fully on racism, but here's where the conversation will go. So keep your eye on it. It's going to be a racist approach to Chicago. <laughs> Just we're in a crime crisis. There's so much crime. We need to taper it and take their guns. Chicago has been festering for how long? Who's, whose state is that? That's right. That's Obama's. That's why they get to do shit like this. Take a listen to this report. 
Democrat Chicago alderman and Chicago mayoral candidate. What the heck is going on in Chicago? Jesse, good evening to you and your viewers. Chicago's in a state of lawlessness right now, thanks to the policies of Lori Lightfoot, who has enabled and emboldened criminals to feel that they can literally get away with murder on the streets of Chicago at any day of their choosing. We have seen where not only are law-abiding citizens becoming victims to violence with almost 200 people shot and killed in the city. So far, he sounds great, and he will sound great. I want you guys to pay attention to some something that I told you will, will happen. Here's for those of you listening on the podcast on iTunes or iHeart or whatever radio station I'm playing at. The title at the bottom of the video says, Crime Surges in Dem-Run Big Cities. This is Raymond Lopez, Democrat who's the Chicago alderman, listen to what he says. Again, why does he put the D there? He should just put an I. This year so so far. But we've also had an an officer shot, not just yesterday, but today as well. While criminals run around knowing that they have the mayor at their side, that Lori Lightfoot is willing to stand up and enable them to be as lawless as they want, going back for the last two years when she first allowed the righteous protesters to come down and destroy the city of Chicago. And in every step since, she's tried to deflect and divert attention from her failed policies that have led to Chicago, the most American of American cities, a global city, to be run into the ground under her leadership. And I think you actually confronted her about that. She likes to yell at people. I think she yelled at you. Again, I'm pointing out that this guy's a Democrat. They're all awake. Soon you're going to see all of them drop the D's and the R's. Well, by 2024, most of them. Let's listen to what happened there. What are we going to do and what do we tell our residents other than good faith people stand up? It's not going to be enough. Thank you, Alderman. Next question. Well, no, I want an answer. I think you're 100%, I think you're 100% full of what I think. So what is Lori Lightfoot's plan to address violence in Chicago besides yelling at you and other reporters? Sadly, the mayor does not have a plan. Anytime she's confronted, she's accuses the people of being full of crap or worse. She says that you're racist, misogynistic, sexist, homophobic, every other excuse and card she can come up with, rather than focusing on the truth, which is that she has been a failure as a mayor. She has not kept the people of Chicago safe. She's allowed criminals to run amok throughout every neighborhood of the city of Chicago. And that the only time she gets really riled up, the only time she has a call to arms is when she's trying to desperately elevate her national profile in the hopes that someone, anyone, will take her from this job that she has. Right now, the city of Chicago is failing under her leadership, and she has no one else to blame but herself. I would love if she and the president and everyone else would just simply come out and say criminals will be apprehended and they will be put in jail for the crimes that they commit, and they will stay there until they're justices serve. I would love for that to be our approach. As you said in your monologue, a common sense approach. And it shouldn't be partisan. It should be easy for us to use common sense in this great country of ours. I couldn't agree more. You mentioned the president of the United States. Have you heard from the president? Has he addressed Chicago violence? I I can't remember him specifically taking on what's going on in Chicago. Can you? We've had. Well, like I said, both the parties are dead. Obviously, we know that people are trained and conditioned to do things. They're trained and conditioned to brush their teeth with fluoride. They're trained and conditioned to say things. They're trained and conditioned to vote certain ways because they've been doing it all their life. 
But now that you're seeing that the Democrats and the Republicans are kind of singing the same tune, then they don't fit into those boxes. So this transition is happening now that people are realizing that both parties don't serve them. It is coming slowly, but you're seeing the beginning of it. And six mass shootings shootings in in the city of Chicago this year alone, four of which were in the month of May, five of which, excuse me, not once has anyone on the national level, let alone our own mayor, called out the shooting for what they were, mass shootings. No one wants to touch it because it's something that we are directly responsible for in cities like Chicago, where we are in charge, where we are the leaders. And they choose to deflect and dodge responsibility while we continue to see the carnage on our streets. You have people from every neighborhood, every walk of life, every demographic living in fear. And the only ones that are to blame are the politicians who continue to enable and enable enable those gangbangers into thinking that they are the ones running the show. Well, I don't usually say this, but I mean, as a Democrat, you'd make a pretty good mayor. <laughs> I, uh, I, you know, I know it's hard to get elected mayor as a Republican in Chicago, but I mean, if, if you're up against Lori, you'd have my vote if I was a Chicago guy. Alderman, thank you so common much. Common sense for, will prevail. You're right. It's just about common sense. It's not that difficult. Hey, Sean Hannity here. Hey, click here to subscribe to Fox News YouTube huh, page. No, we don't want ca- to subscribe. So you heard what he said. It's common sense that will prevail. You know, I was just thinking about it. I want you guys to take a think. Because we all wear rose-colored glasses when we see things. So I want you to think about this for a second. Think how dangerous it really is to be alive during this time. Honestly. We all say that we feel safe, right? And I'm not trying to give you some fear point. I want you to take this objectively. You can literally walk out wherever you are. You could be in the middle of freaking nowhere. And your government official, sheriff, or police officer can rape you and kill you. And it will be swept under the rug. You know that's true. Um, You could be in your house. And someone can break in and you can have a million, uh, you know, ring doorbells, Alexas, Google Homes, you name it. And someone can come and kill you because they feel like it. The feds can come and pull you out of your bed at any given time with no charges because they feel like it. You know, Peter Navarro, for example, lived right by the FBI. No one called him. They came and arrested him to embarrass him at an airplane. And now we all can carry our weapons in majority of the states without a concealing carry license. Now, that that doesn't scare me. One good person with a gun can take out 20 bad guys with a gun. But again, looking at it, from another perspective, it's actually quite scary. If you think of all the things that you have seen on horror movies and thrillers and sci-fi, right? That idea didn't come out of someone's butt. These are things that can potentially happen. And I'm not saying this to fear, you know, fear porn you. 
I'm saying this that maybe you should take out the rose colored glasses and the way you see things and realize exactly where you're living and realize just how many people are in your building or around your house and just imagine what they're doing. And what if one of them has someone in a basement giving them a basket with lotion? That shit can happen. I'm trying to help people see exactly the construct you are in. You are given the illusion that you have this false sense of safety from who? The government? I guarantee you that most of you feel the most safest when you're around people. I know, and I know this sounds so dumb, right? Why? I know that God has my back, so I'm not worried about it. But I know a lot of people, um, you know, get together and meet. I remember one meeting that I had. I, I meet uh, a, a lot of times with people. Do you know the first time I actually felt that was in Texas? I met with um, our Texas people. And even though I was overwhelmed and running late and trying to figure out where I was going, being around people, our people, right? My my extended family, which are, is my community, right? This is, I'm in your community, you're in mine, right? I actually had like this weird feeling. I was like, holy crap, this is it. This is how you feel safe. When you know you are around people that see things the way they should be. And therefore, there is no room for a threat. So, you know, when I've met with other people from, from Louisiana, from, from Ohio, from, uh, you know, Nebraska, I met some people, Arizona, um, Utah, you know, I've met a lot of people. I realized just how safe that feels. So the safety doesn't come from the government or the technology or anything, but it's actually knowing thy neighbors, knowing your community. And, and, and that's really important because I know a lot of people like privacy, but I can tell you those people that like privacy are the ones that don't know their neighbors or don't know what's around them or don't have a network. You know, I know that if I run out of sugar, I'm probably not, maybe I'll knock next door. I mean, he, you know, what if he listens to my show and he's going to be like, damn, she sees all the girls I bring. But I'm just saying, I I could probably call someone from the region one group in Ohio and be like, yo, I need a cup of sugar or, you know, I need this. And people are there and I see it. And that's what inspires safety, a good community. And unfortunately, you know, in Chicago, it's got to be terrifying. Not so much because of the killings and crazy people like Beetlejuice. She just makes it worse but because there's no community. Like there is actually no community. They have all these stupid community programs that are just free handouts for people, but actually a community, you know, having a community that you know that if someone, say the FBI was coming with like a bunch of freaking people to bang your door down, you'll have a text because someone's going to see it and tell you right? Someone in your neighborhood, you know, <laughs> will be like, yo, there's some crazy ass shit with people coming in, put, put your good panties on or something. They're coming for you. You know, I'm just saying like a, a good community around you helps you feel safe because they're people that care about you. Like you care about them because you all care about your, 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 your greater environment, 
your your hallway if you're in a building or or your yard or you know who's putting up the christmas decorations and and in in and in larger your city and a good community is what makes sense and and the thing that i notice in chicago is there aren't very good communities and there aren't uh, people that are uh, interconnected. There are people that live in buildings. I was talking to someone I know in Chicago. She moved there, I think, four years ago. She's an attorney. And, you know, her kids are going to school there and whatnot. And I was like, so what are your neighbors like? She's like, yeah, I, I don't talk to them. You know, this is a building. It's a it's a condo building. Some people rent, some people buy. You know, she she rents. But she was like, you know, I don't talk to anyone. And I was thinking, damn, that's really scary. It's really scary if someone comes up to your door and bangs it in and no one around you will do anything. You know, it's really scary walking out on the street that you don't know what's out on the street or who's there. I mean, for me, a downtown, you know, I feel super safe. I know all that I've met almost all Cleveland police and I had the, you know, um, the, the the honor of having the former chief of police actually be my bodyguard at some point. Um, and I know the chief of police here. I know them very well. I'm pretty sure that if anyone was going to raid me, they'd probably give me a heads up. And if anyone was trying to pass through my door, someone would do something. I believe that having a close-knit community is what inspires safety. Not ring doorbells, not Alexas, not your police because they're perpetrators, not not your sheriffs because they're perpetrators, not your politicians because they're perpetrators, not your mayors, not your councilmen, but you, the people amongst yourselves. I think that's very important, you know, very important, you know, where you can, you know, leave something. I, I even at my door, right? So I, I so <laughs> before I go to the break, I'm going to say this. I hope he doesn't hear it. But my neighbor, right? He he's 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 a good looking dude, and you know he always has some new chick coming around or whatever all the time. And I don't say that, but he's pretty cool. We exchange. I really liked his ex girlfriend. Anyway, um, you know, I had left something out. He actually took it into his apartment because I had forgotten it there. And it was just um, a bag. And, and I think in there I had like plastic spoons and some other bullshit. He actually took it in there and, um, you know, knocked on my door. And I noticed that he knocked on my door when I wasn't there. So I responded to him from my ring bell. And he was like, hey, you, you've and I was like, oh, shit. That's why I didn't take it on the flight with me. I forgot it. And he was like, all right, well, I, well, I took it in because I didn't want to leave it out. And I was like, dude, I have a doorbell with a camera on it. No one takes my shit. So you're good. So, you know, he took it in. That meant something, you know, that he saw it there and thought, let me take it and, and put it in there. Now, let's not forget that nice neighbors don't translate into a safe community. Safe community means your neighbors all see eye to eye. It's not like, Oh yeah, I'm watering my plants. And I go, do you know, because every single time there's a murder or something, they go to the, the neighbors and they're like, Oh, he was quiet. He was a nice young man. Just nodded his head and went in, you know, he would take care of the daisies in his garden. That's, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's not a good neighbor. Uh, that's not a good neighbor. The one that's like, wasn't, you know what the good neighbor is? The neighbor is like, Hey, you know, this really sucks. I hate this. I don't like doing this. I don't like doing that. That's my day. How's yours? Where you actually know your fucking neighbor. 
And that's what's important. <laughs> that's what's important uh, that we actually grow communities because if you take off the rose colored glasses, it's really not that safe. So on that note, let's take a quick musical break and fill up those coffee mugs, wine glasses, whatever your choice of poison this evening is. Well then, speaking of Queen, speaking of Queen, how did you guys think of the Jubilee with a hologram version of her? You'll be very surprised how often holograms are used. I walked you through that technology over a year and a half ago, and there's some fuckery afoot. Kind of almost like when people get lost and they walk in different places and people are signing NDAs under the White House press. What? There's a FOIA request for that. I was actually drafting that where I was today, getting annoyed, constantly being asked for masks. Speaking of which, <laughs> oh my gosh, I want to say it so bad. So, um, no, I'm going to hold my tongue on that. I'm going to hold my tongue on that. So tomorrow we're going to break down Dominion. Um, and uh, just what strategy is being used. It's more, look at all of this over here, but don't look at this fact right here that we work for the U.S. government. Look at all of this over here, but not over there. And why is this happening? Well, you know, the news tell you everything you want to know and how they're going to do it. And so now, what do they call it? Trump is mobilizing his MAGA allies to defend him. See, that's not who these losers are covering up for. It's definitely not President Trump. Former President Trump now organizing key allies in an effort to counter this, this week's, week's big reveal by the January 6th committee. A series of committee hearings begins in primetime Thursday night. And those involved promise new evidence, new testimony, and new context of how Trump's plot to steal the 2020 election unfolded, including the violence at the Capitol. Some new CNN reporting, though, reveals how Trump and his allies are planning to hit back. Our reporters are back with us. You're part of this reporting. Uh, the, the former president knows this is not going to be good for him. Right. Uh, and so who is he trying to get to help him and how? Well, he has reached out to several allies on Capitol Hill, including Kevin McCarthy, the GOP leader. He, is, of course, was also subpoenaed by the committee. So there could be damaging information about him as well. He's also under pressure to show support after he got caught on tape criticizing Trump in the immediate wake of January 6th. 
And then Elise Stefanik. She's the conference chair. She's in charge of messaging. She is a self-proclaimed ultra-MAGA Republican. Actually, she'll be having a fundraiser with him later today um, up in New York. So I'm sure the strategy will come into focus. But we should point out that most Republicans that we talk to on Capitol Hill don't want to give any attention to the select committee hearings. They would rather ignore it, pivot to other issues. And also, there's only so much spin you could put on something when they're going to have cold, hard evidence in the form of text messages and documents and firsthand witnesses. And so this counterattack that is being launched, it's mostly being done for an audience of one, and that's Donald Trump. Donald Trump and the Trumpy conservative silo. I don't even right. want to call it conservative anymore. The Trumpy media silo uh, there. So the question is, can the committee meet its test? It says it will have all this new evidence, new testimony. A lot of the depositions were videotaped. We may see Ivanka Trump, for example. We may see Donald Trump Jr., for example, talking about what was going on that day there. Uh, listen to Liz Cheney. She is not with the Republican leadership. She, of course, and um, Congressman Kinzinger, the two Republicans who agreed to serve on the committee, she says America needs to tune in with an open mind. We are not in a situation where uh, former President Trump uh, has expressed any sense of remorse about what happened. Uh, we are, in fact, in a situation where he continues to use even more extreme language, frankly, than the language that caused the attack. Uh, and so people must pay attention. People must watch and, and they must understand how easily our democratic system uh, can, can unravel if we don't defend it. So here's a test as she makes that point. And it's an important point. Take all the names out of it. It's an important point for what happened on that day. Uh, it's also an important point, though, for the Trump legacy, including whether he runs again in 2024. And if you look at the polling, uh, this is from an NBC News poll, uh, is Trump solely or mainly responsible? Uh, now, 45 percent of Americans say that right immediately after it was 52 percent. Uh, somewhat not really responsible, 55%, 47 So the numbers are trending in Trump's favor, if you will. Uh, people have a less damning impression now. It's still bad, but it's less damning now. The What part of the committee's challenge, in their view, is to... Listen, what part of the committee's challenge is to flip that? Now people think Trump had nothing to do with it. We need to fix that because he's going to be president. Are you listening? They're telling you what they're doing. We're orchestrating this and we are editing this to make this show that it was President Trump's fault. This is what we're going to do. We're going to make a movie about it. What have I told you about movies? What have I told you about them editing and cutting? Now, it works both ways because I'm editing and cutting, but <laughs> using their words. In this case, they're using testimony to cut, snip, and create a narrative. I was victim of that in, in a court where I wasn't even found guilty. I was found guilty of not answering. Uh, what is it? Contempt of court. Because how do you answer questions that don't apply to you? You're like, I can't answer that. Like, I don't know what they're talking about. Sorry. I guess we're all just going to draw our own conclusion and say, you like to wear, you know, pink fluffy sneakers, you know, with fur on them and uh, whatever when you go to the supermarket and you're just like, but how can I answer that when I don't own those pairs? See, but you're not, but I don't own a pair of those shoes. I don't wear that. Yeah, well, you didn't answer that question. So therefore, here it is. But if you answer one question, you have to answer all of them. Kind of like the way the president is being put in a box now. You need to answer all the questions or then all of them are true. To change, change that, that again. again. Yeah, yeah it, it, it is shock and awe, right? It is prime time. It is compelling text. It is compelling video. It is all of this stuff 
that is by and large meant to influence American opinion. And, you know, some of that is political. Some of that very much uh, relates to how we're going to view Trump in perpetuity. But they're competing for eyeballs against all of these domestic issues and trying to bring this issue right to the fore. And so the the question is part of the times we live in. Uh, The two most famous names in journalism, uh, Woodward and Bernstein, uh, wrote, it's 50 years since Watergate, uh, wrote a piece in the Washington Post uh, this weekend in which they say both Nixon and Trump created a conspiratorial world in which the U.S. Constitution, laws, and fragile democratic traditions were to be manipulated or ignored. Political opponents in the media were enemies, and there were few or no restraints on the powers entrusted to presidents. In today's age, uh, can you capture the country's attention like you could in the Watergate hearings when you had the network news? I remember I was 10 years old, sitting next to my dad watching the Watergate hearings. Uh, our media is fractured now. Everyone has a, a lot of people live in their self-segregated media silos. Can you get the, capture the nation's attention? It'll be, uh, it, it, it'll be hard. It, it just will. Because you, you also, also have all of this counter-programming. That- counter-programming. Did you hear that? And I took it off. counter programming they are stopping the programming of the people counter programming but see the news tell you everything they're going to do let's go back to two years ago let's hear about the supreme court right it's pretty interesting when you hear it in retrospect but i'd like you to see this pbs which we pay for, segment. Take a listen. Warren has ended her bid for the Democratic presidential campaign. The Massachusetts senator had led the race back in October, but she failed to win a single state, including her own on Super Tuesday. Today, she addressed supporters outside her home in Cambridge and acknowledged there was no way forward. I will not be running for president in 2020, but I guarantee... I will stay in the fight for the hardworking folks across this country who've gotten short into the stick over and over. That's been the fight of my life, and it will continue to be so. Warren did not endorse former Vice President Joe Biden or Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders, saying she needs time to think about it. Biden leads Sanders right now 626 to 550 in the Associated Press delegate count. It takes 1991 to clinch the Democratic nomination. We'll return to the campaign after the news summary. The U.S. Senate's top Democrat insisted today that he never threatened two Supreme Court justices, but he also voiced regret. On Wednesday, Minority Leader Chuck Schumer had said conservatives Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh would, quote, pay the price if they vote to curtail abortion rights. Chief Justice John Roberts condemned the comment, and today Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell blasted Schumer's statements. The New York Democrat responded on the Senate floor. I'm from Brooklyn. We speak in strong language. I shouldn't have used the words I did, but in no way was I making a threat. Six ways from Sunday. Yes, he did. I never, never would do such a thing. And Leader McConnell knows that. And Republicans who are busy manufacturing outrage over these comments know that too. Schumer said he had meant the justices might face political and not physical consequences. 
The leaders of Turkey and Russia agreed today on a ceasefire for northwestern Syria. Recep Tayyip Erdogan and Vladimir Putin met in Moscow. It followed clashes in Idlib province between Turkish and Syrian forces, with two more Turkish troops killed today. Turkey opposes a Syrian offensive backed by Russia that is driving refugees to the Turkish border. The United States today pressed the Taliban to call off attacks in Afghanistan. The militants have stepped up assaults on Afghan forces since signing a deal for the U.S. to withdraw troops. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said today it's time to stop all of the violence and get serious about about moving moving forward. In no uncertain. Well, then, we only needed the Supreme Court, but you kind of see how the past news kind of makes sense now. The past pretty much proves the future. But here is the debate with the fly. It's quite interesting to listen about the courts again. This time, you hear cackling Harris. So I think the American people really deserve an answer, Senator Harris. Are you and Joe Biden going to pack the court if Judge Amy Coney Barrett is confirmed? I mean, there have been 29 vacancies on the Supreme Court during presidential election years from George Washington to Barack Obama. Presidents have nominated in all 29 cases. But your party is actually openly advocating adding seats to the Supreme Court, which has had nine seats for 150 years, if you don't get your way. This is a classic case of if you can't win by the rules, you're going to change the rules. Now, you've refused to answer the question. Joe Biden has refused to answer the question. So I think the American people would really like to know. If Judge Amy Coney Barrett is confirmed to the Supreme Court of the United States, are you and Joe Biden, if somehow you win this election, going to pack the Supreme Court to get your way? Now, before we hear that, I want you guys to pay attention to the plexiglass. That's really important. Now, I know a lot of you didn't really think of it that way. But if you remember when I introduced you before 2020 to the holograph machine, the box. The key thing was that they were looking at someone through plexiglass. Not saying that it's happening here. I wanted you to pay attention to the plexiglass. It's really important. It's really, really important. Now it's really important to listen to what she says too. But plexiglass, is it really for safety? Is the virus just going to stay at the glass and not go over right? It doesn't go up in the air. It just goes direct, right? And they're far apart and they're still in plexiglass. Just saying. I'm so glad we went through a little history lesson. Let's do that a little more. In 1864. Well, I'd like you to answer the question. Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. I'm speaking. Okay. In 1864, one of the, I think, political heroes, certainly of the president, I I assume of you also, Mr. Vice President, is Abraham Lincoln. Mm -hmm. Abraham Lincoln was up for re-election. And it was 27 days before the election. And a seat became open on the United States Supreme Court. Abraham Lincoln's party was in charge, not only of the White House, but the Senate. But Honest Abe said, it's not the right thing to do. The American people deserve to make the decision about who will be the next president of the United States. And then that person can select who will serve for a lifetime on the highest court of our land. And so Joe and I are very clear. The American people are voting right now, and it should be their decision about who will serve on this most important body for a lifetime. A nice pause there. 
There was no answer. There was no answer. Again, no answer. How come she didn't answer the question? How did we confirm Jumanji, Kintaji, whatever her name is, the one that doesn't know Kintaji, there we go, Kintaji Brown, right? How did we, the, how the fuck did we confirm her with no opening? They did it before the elections aren't going to happen and they're removed. Again, how did they confirm her without it being open? I want you to think about that for a second. Think about it. I remember the threat was about, ah, so Schumer said it would be a political issue, right? But what did we see leak? What did we see leak? Oh, I I know. That's right. It's just a freaking coincidence that they leak shit about the abortions right? When the threat to them was about the abortions, right? Is that what it is, Schumer? That you were just up, we were threatening you? I wasn't really threatening you physically, I meant politically. How are you going to threaten them politically when they're not supposed to be influenced by politics? Roe versus Wade was a key question they had. And he threatened him that if he overturns or if they overturn, they did this willingly and knowingly and they released the leak. There has never been a leak. And, 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 and. And when you see how it happens, again, Schumer made a threat. Then he said, oh, I didn't mean bodily. I mean politically. What the fuck do you mean politically? Judges aren't influenced with politics. Or are they? That's a question that every single person should be asking. Thank you for the rants, guys. I appreciate it. That's the thing. They've, they tell you what they're going to do. They explain it to you. They walk you through. They tell you how they're going to do it. And they're pushing on it. Now, Senator Mike Lee, who uh, ironically writes a book about SCOTUS, had some words to say today on Fox about SCOTUS. Take a listen. Today on some of those 33 cases yet yet to be be decided on before the term finishes, including Roe versus Wade. Joining us now is Utah Senator and former clerk for Justice Alito, Mike Lee. Good morning, Senator. Good morning, Ainsley. Good morning. So they still have 33 cases and they have about a month left before they recess for the summer. What can we expect today or this week or coming up in the next few weeks? Well, what you can see is that uh, on multiple times each week for the next four weeks, the Supreme Court will hold sessions every few days and it will issue decisions as they're finished. One of those decisions will be the Dobbs case involving the fate of Roe versus Wade. And that's going to tell us a lot uh, about what it will look like outside the Supreme Court over the next few months. When do you expect that? Do they normally wait for the controversial ones until the very end? Yeah, very often the most controversial decisions of the term will be held back until the final days of the month of June. The Supreme Court essentially always uh, adjourns by the end of June. And so uh, I... I suspect the latest we could see a decision would be June 30th, which this year falls on a Thursday, could easily be that day. But in theory, it could also be as soon as today. What other ones are we waiting on that are that have been in the news a lot lately that we've been talking about? There's a case called New York Rifle and Pistol Association versus Brune uh, that involves the Second Amendment, involves a New York state statute that restricts the right afforded under the Second Amendment to only certain circumstances, certain people deemed to have an exceptional need if they want to hold a gun outside their home. 
And then what about the coach that knelt down in prayer, voluntarily, silent prayer? Yeah, that's also a significant case involving the First Amendment. Hold on. Are you paying attention to what's happening this month? This is why I told you it's going to be a fucked up month. We got abortion and we got Second Amendment. If the Supreme Court rules that the state law trumps the Second Amendment, we're fucked. Number three, listen to this one. You probably didn't even think about it. And we'll, we'll see, see a decision, decision out of that, out of that one between, between now and now the end of the, end the, term, of the term, along we'll, with some decisions regarding administrative law and the significant case involved outside their home. And then what about the coach that knelt down in prayer, voluntarily silent prayer? Yeah, that's also a significant case involving the First Amendment. And we'll see a decision out of that one between now and the end of the term, along with some decisions regarding administrative law and the manner in which Congress delegates essentially its lawmaking power to unelected, unaccountable bureaucrats. Well, and Senator, you have a big week because tomorrow your book comes out. You've been on talking about this, but tell the folks at home, home why, why they, they would, would enjoy, enjoy this, this book. book. It's called Saving Nine. Obviously. All right. All right. I stopped there. No, no ads for books that we haven't read or care for. So we've got, listen carefully, we've got abortion, religious freedom, Second Amendment, and get this, powers vested into people that are not elected and how Congress, kind of like uh, Fauci's a fraud, kind of like how my case is still pending against the governor for doing all this. We have everything that is foundational for us as American citizens right now on the lap of every single Supreme Court justice. So when I told you that June was going to be fucked up, I told you it's going to be fucked up. See, while everyone's distracted with so many things, this is what this is why they're making a movie. They want everyone to hate Trump and they want to show the judges this is what will happen to you. Kamala Harris already incited violence to fight like hell for their rights to kill babies. Again, this is not your average month. Wait till you see how this unpacks. Remember, Schumer made a threat talking about Roe versus Wade two years ago. Kamala and Biden have been inching with it. They confirmed a, a justice with no opening yet. This is huge. This is a big deal. And now the Senate is telling you that the House bill for guns won't pass yet. Here's what they're telling you. Well, there's violence and they want to see it like immediately. Chat program on where the so-called bipartisan talks, talks are going, going right now to get just that chat. Good afternoon, Neil. The rally is an effort to apply pressure on senators to act and to give people the sense they're taking the crisis seriously. But demonstrators aren't the only ones putting pressure on lawmakers. Forgive us when we do too little too late. Give us the prudence to anticipate the evil and choose the right priorities to prevent it. The Senate is now back in session for the first time since late May. There's cautious optimism among bipartisan senators that they can craft a narrow bill. Progress, I hope, will show many of our Republican holdouts that the sky doesn't fall. Uh, if they support common sense anti-gun violence measures that are supported by 80, 90 percent of their constituents. 
One plan would raise the age for those who can access high-capacity weapons. Also on the table, increase background checks, school security, and red flag laws. GOP Pennsylvania Senator Pat Toomey tried to work on a background check bill after Newtown, but the bill stalled. There is no one thing that will prevent mass killings. All we can hope for, in my view, is on the margins, make it more difficult for someone who's dangerously mentally ill or someone who's a violent criminal to buy a firearm. Any bill would fall short of what President Biden called for last week, and any Senate bill could face opposition from liberals in the House who want to do more. Neil? Chad, thank you very much for that. Hi, everyone. I'm Brian Kilmeade. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go to the Fox News YouTube page. This is the only way that I... My gosh, I can never stop these videos before they advertise themselves. All right, so... Tomorrow, we're going to talk elections. Tomorrow, we're going to talk Dominion. Tomorrow, we're going to break that down. Keep in mind, the increased background checks are just, people are just going to call you mentally ill, and that's it. You're insane to think the elections were stolen. Boom. No gun for you. You're insane because you don't like Joe Biden. Boom. You're insane because you think illegal immigrants shouldn't vote. Boom. You think it's a joke? This is what's writing. This is why this month is painfully slow. It's the 6th of June. If we don't get this cracked open by August 3rd with the election stuff, it's game over. I don't care how hard anybody else pushes. Um, Lord knows many have tried. On that note, um, wow, it's already 10 o'clock. Shoot. I've been at this for almost two and a half hours. (laughs) I didn't even notice that. I have so much fun when I do my show. Um, On that note, God bless you guys. I will see you tomorrow.